I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's Talkin' Golf with Ann Liguori on the fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Well, good morning. And welcome to Talking Golf with Ann LaGlory on this Sunday morning, August 13th. How are we doing this morning? Hope you're having a great weekend so far. Well, we had a major thunderstorm move through here on the east end of Long Island, but now the sun is out. Love it. Well, I hope it's sunny where you are. Talking Golf with Ann LaGlory is brought to you by Ivy Cole Luxury Athleisure Apparel for men and women, featuring the exclusive Icefield Coaling technology along with UPF 50 plus sun protection. Visit IBKUL.com to learn more. All right, lots going on, so let's dive right in. Today is the final round of the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs at the FedEx St. Jude Championship being played at TPC Southwind in Memphis, Tennessee. And the top 70 players in the FedEx Cup standings after last week's Wyndham Championship qualified, as you know, for this first leg of the playoffs. And after today's final round, the top 50 players from this tournament will then move on to the BMW Championship and qualify for the signature events on the PJ Tour schedule next year. So a lot on the line. And uh, five-time PJ Tour winner Lucas Glover has a one-shot lead at 14-under heading into the final round this afternoon. Last week, Glover won the Wyndham Championship to even get into this FedEx Cup playoffs. And today he finds himself one shot ahead of Taylor Moore, who you remember won the Valspar Championship earlier this year, and Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood. Oh, I always pick Tommy to win because he's so good. Glover shot a four under 66 yesterday, five birdies, one bogey. He fired a six under 64 on Friday, continuing his beautiful form from last week. Taylor Moore shot a five under yesterday while Tommy Fleetwood matched Glover's 66. Max Homa and Jordan Speed are three behind. Then you have Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantley, Rory McIlroy, and uh, several others are at nine under five shots back. So it's quite the star-studded leaderboard here. But some of the top names who risk not moving on, who are outside of the top 50 right now, include Ricky Fowler. He's tied for 60th. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's tied for 63rd. Jason Day also tied at 63. Matt Kuchar, 66th place, to name a few. And Matt Kuchar 
is the only player to qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs in each season since the playoffs started. And, um, but, you know, again, he has to be in the top 50 to move on. So let's see what happens today. And uh, as you know, last week, Adam Scott just missed getting into the playoffs at number 72. And he had qualified every year until this year. All right, well, PJ Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, he met with reporters in Memphis for the first time since his return from a medical absence in mid-June, and it was learned that Jay spent time away. Nobody knew what was going on, but he said it was due to anxiety, which created physical and mental health issues and challenges for him. He said to step away at that point in time was very difficult for him, but he needed to take care of himself and his family. And ultimately, he'd come back stronger than ever to lead the PJ Tour forward. He said his family and his doctors supported his coming back. And during his meeting with reporters in Memphis this past week, he admitted that he made big mistakes during the rollout of the framework agreement announcement. He described the rollout of the announcement as ineffective and resulted in a lot of misinformation. And that led to mistrust, and he takes accountability for that. He did say the way it was handled was a setback, but he's determined to get this right for the players and the partners. Uh, he's right about everything he said. That's for sure. And he really didn't have any new news to report as it relates to the proposed agreement between the PJ Tour, DP World Tour, and the Saudi Public Investment Fund. But he did reiterate that the uh, public investment fund would be a minority investor in the new co for-profit entity and that they will rename it to PGA Tour Enterprises. He did not say how Live Golf would be affected other than it will receive, in quotes, a good faith evaluation. Uh, a top PGA Tour employee resigned this past week, Andy Patster. He was the tour's chief tournaments and competitions officer. Uh, he'd been there for over 30 years. He resigned from the PJ Tour. He oversaw PJ Tour operations, strategy, including the PJ Tour champions, Corn Ferry Tour. He had a big job. And uh, he worked under three different commissioners. Uh, Tyler Dennis is taking over Pazder's responsibilities. And Tyler Dennis was the one who led day to day operations during Jay Monahan's medical leave. You have to wonder why Pastor resigned after all these years. All right, moving on to the AIG Women's Open Championship. It's the final major on the women's calendar, taking place at Walton Heath in England. And the final round, it's already underway with the time difference. And Charlie Hall of England, Lilia Vu of the United States, share the lead at nine under. One shot ahead, Yo Jo Kim of Korea and... Uh, Angel Yin of uh, the United States. Allie Ewing, she held the lead after 18 and 36 holes. She had a 68 on Thursday, a 67 on Friday, but yesterday she struggled with a plus 375, six bogeys, three birdies. She is in fifth place at seven under, but she's only two shots back, so anything can happen. Uh, Charlie Hall, she shot a four under yesterday. She would earn her third LPGA Tour victory and first major championship title if she were to win. And as I mentioned, Lilia Vu, she won the Chevron Championship earlier in the year. That was her first major title. And um, she could earn her third LPGA Tour victory 
and of course her second major championship title this season. Nellie Corda is four under overall. She's five shots back. Rose Zhang is plus two, 11 shots back. And Celine Boutier of France, she won the Scottish Open last year and the Everyon Championship for her first major title two weeks ago. She's at plus three overall. The U.S. Women's Am, it's down to the final round at Bel Air Country Club in Los Angeles. What a grueling week <laughs> to get to the finals. The player has to win five matches. And it has come down to Latana Stone of LSU against Megan Schofield, an Auburn University graduate student. In the semis, Stone beat former NCAA individual champ Rachel Heck 3-2. and two. And Schofield beat Haley Borgia 2-1. and one. Stone is ranked 45 in the amateur golf rankings. And she knocked off several prominent amateurs along the way to these finals including Amari Avery, Rachel Kuhn, Yana Wilson, and, of course, Rachel Heck in yesterday's semis. And uh, the two finalists, Stone and Schofield, they have known each other since apparently they first met in the eighth grade. Anyway, the uh, 36-hole championship match, 36 holes today, will begin at 12.45 Eastern time, and then we'll resume late afternoon. Live Golf is at Trump National in Bedminster, New Jersey. Cameron Smith takes a four-shot lead into today's final round. He shot a 467 yesterday, seven birdies, a double on the par four third hole, a bogey on the par three 14th, and he's nine under overall. And he leads Phil Mickelson and Dean Burmester by four shots. Mickelson shot a 67 yesterday as well. He'll play in the final group on Sunday for the first time in his Live Golf career. The team competition, the Ripper GC, led by Cameron Smith, and Stinger GC, the team that Dean Burmester is on, they're tied for the lead at 11-under. And last week at the Greenbrier, Bryson DeChambeau, he carted a 58. Incredible. All right, well, more on Phil. Phil, making a little news this week. Uh, he, well, first of all, he conducted a youth clinic in New Jersey, uh, last Wednesday for Adaptive Golf, and he spoke to two reporters afterward, and one of whom was uh, Mark Canizero of the New York Post, and this is the first time that I can remember that Phil has really spoken to anyone outside of a press conference this season, so I asked my buddy Mark Canizero to come on the show and share what Phil had to say, so New York Post sports columnist Mark Canizero he will join us right after the 8.40 break this morning. And you've all heard about this book coming out, uh, written by high-stakes gambler Billy Walters. The book's called Gambler, Secrets from a Life at Risk. And as you know, Billy Walters received a five-year prison sentence for insider trading. And while in prison, he wrote this book, and it includes Walters describing the extent of Phil Mickelson's gambling, and I'll share what I read in an excerpt that initially came out in Fire Pit Collective and was reprinted by Golf Digest. And uh, Walters wrote in his book that he met Phil at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am back in 2006. He ran into Phil again at another PGA Tour event in 2008, and Phil asked him about doing a gambling partnership and Walter said he does do partnerships, and he said in quotes, but only if someone has access to places I can't bet or places where they can bet more money than me, end quote. 
So the two apparently entered this gambling partnership that lasted for five years. And Walters wrote that in 2012, Phil called him from Medina Country Club, where the Ryder Cup matches were taking place. And Walters said that Phil was so confident that the U.S. team would win, he asked Walters to place a $400,000 wager for him on the U.S. team to win. In, at, after which Billy Walters told him, in quotes, you have, have you lost your blankety-blank mind? Don't you remember what happened to Pete Rose? And uh, Billy told Phil, in quotes, you've, you're seen as a modern-day Arnold Palmer. You'd risk all that for this? I want no part of it, he told Phil. And Phil said, in quotes, all right, all right. But Billy went on to write that he had no idea if Phil placed the bet elsewhere. Yeah, those are serious allegations, and you have to think the powers to be that run the Ryder Cup would have to do some investigative work to see if Phil really did bet on his own team in the Ryder Cup. That's unbelievable. But anyway, in his statement released after these transcripts from the book came out, Phil denied that he bet on the Ryder Cup. He said he did not make that bet, nor did he gamble on his own golf. He said in quotes, I never bet on the Ryder Cup. While it is well known that I always enjoy a friendly wager on the course, I would never undermine the integrity of the game. He said, I also have been very open about my gambling addiction. He went on to say that he has taken responsibility, has gotten help, has been fully committed to therapy that has positively impacted him, and he feels good about where he is now, end quote. Uh, you know, Billy Walters went on and on. He, he wrote that Phil's gambling addiction included betting $110,000 to win $100,000, a total of 1,115 times. He said in 2011 alone, he made 3,154 bets, an average of nearly nine bets a day. He made a staggering 7,065 wagers on football, basketball, and baseball. And he calculated Phil's gambling losses to be closer to $100 million, not the $40 million reported, and that he bet as much as $1 billion over the last 30 years. Just unbelievable numbers. And then uh, Billy Walters went on to say that uh, Phil, in quotes, is one of the most famous people in the world and a man I once considered a friend, refused to tell a simple truth that he shared with the FBI and could have kept me out of prison. He said, I never told him I had inside information about stocks, and he knows it, and all Phil had to do was publicly say it. He refused, end quote. Woof, that's a lot of material from this book, and again, um, very serious allegations about betting on him, you know, on the U.S. team and the Ryder Cup. And then you have to think, you know, the amounts of money that he lost in gambling, and, you know, you have to wonder if Phil needed that a quick $200 million, which was reportedly the sum he received to jump to live. And the Post reported last year that Mickelson went to the PGA Tour commissioner before Live Golf was formed and proposed elevated events, team golf, and all those ideas were rejected by the PGA Tour. So, yes, Phil was a very much a major player in the Live Golf movement. And uh, many of the things he said that were going to happen have actually happened. So can Phil overcome this latest controversy? And uh, we'll get Mark Canizero's take on all of this after the 8.40 break. Coming up shortly, pro golfer, reigning U.S. Senior Women's Open champion, Jill McGill, 
will join us. We'll talk about the Women's Open Championship. We'll talk about the U.S. Women's Am taking place. Jill won the U.S. Women's Am back in 93 and the U.S. Women's Amateur Public Links in 94. She played on the 94 Curtis Tub team as well. And uh, she's working on a very worthy cause, raising awareness about ovarian cancer. Jill's sister, Shelly O'Keefe, is her caddy and a cancer survivor. So we'll be back with Jill McGill to talk about all of this after I tell you that Cool Luxury Athleisure Wear for both men and women offers the highest performance-driven apparel to look and feel your best on and off the course. Cool offers multifunctional, intelligent, moisture sensor fabrics featuring the exclusive ice fill technology that cools your skin up to 5 degrees so you can stay cool, comfortable, and odor-free on hot and humid days. Cool Apparel features UPF 50-plus sun protection. It's colorful, stylish ultra soft fabrics with the latest technology to protect your skin look and feel your best learn more at ibkol.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's Talking Golf with Ann Liguori on The Fan. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Talking Golf and the Women's Open Championship. The final major on the women's calendar concludes today. In fact, it's going on right now. And uh, joining me now to talk about that and a number of other topics is Jill McGill, reigning U.S. Senior Women's Open Champion. Hey, welcome to Talking Golf, Jill. Thanks, Diana. I appreciate you all having me. Oh, our pleasure. Well, before we get into golf... I understand that you are using your platform to educate people about ovarian cancer and the Ovarian Cancer Research Alliance, OCRA, and their effort to fight the disease. So um, certainly a most important cause. It is. You know, I found myself in a position where my sister uh, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer during COVID. And, you know, anytime anybody gets that sort of news, it's a it's obviously going to be a struggle, but coupled with COVID. So uh, I, I saw the struggles that she went through. And then one of my best friends that I've known, uh, you know, almost all my life, 
is is currently struggling with the fight of cancer. And, you know, it's interesting, Anne, once you put it out there and you start talking to people, how many other people come up and say, oh, I had ovarian cancer, my sister, my aunt, or my friend's friend, and um, what it, it's uh, OCRA, ovarian cancer research, research has been great. I mean, I know, I don't know, I just know the tip of the iceberg about the ovarian cancer just based on the circumstances of having those two people that are super close to me have to go through this. Um, but man, they're doing a lot of great stuff to help a lot of people that have been diagnosed. Yeah. You know, you mentioned how many people, I I mean, I lost uh, a cousin to it and, uh, we, I have a annual charity golf tournament and uh, we raise money for various, uh, organ, not for profit organizations. And, uh, we have supported the Samuel Waxman Cancer Research Foundation specifically with research on ovarian cancer because I know it's so hard to detect, and that's one of the issues. Um, it's hard to diagnose, right? Yes, as, as I understand it, it, it. It is hard to diagnose. For example, my friend Liz, I mean, she got, you know, she got passed back and forth for four or five months until she found herself in the ER with excruciating pain. Um, draining seven liters outside of her body down around her abdomen area before they were able to definitively say, you have ovarian cancer. And by that time, it spread all through the body. Mm. So um, the other thing about uh, Ovarian Cancer Research Alliance is they are, they are very, very strong supporters in early detection as well as advocates for making sure you're your best advocate for your health. And one thing that I was shocked about, shocked to learn, is they they have the numbers that if you have a genetic marker for cancer, your likelihood of developing it is between 40 and 50%. So imagine if you know you have that marker and you can be super proactive about your health, that how, how the decline that we would see in terms of cancer cases. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so your sister is a survivor, Shelly O'Keefe, right? And she's, she's been your caddy as well, right? Yes, my, my sister Shelly, she's awesome. She is a, a tremendous athlete in her own right. And after uh, playing collegiate soccer and you know, skiing on the World Cup mogul team, just those two wow. little things, she decided to uh, turn to golf. And so we've really been able to enjoy a relationship on the golf course um, and she's a, she's a tremendous teacher. She works a lot with juniors. So when she did caddy for me at the U S senior open last year, when we won, um, she was, you know, just, just out of chemo treatments and having the surgery to remove her, you know, uterus and, uh, omentum tissue as well. So not only was it a great, you know, win, but it was a, it was a personal win for her health, being able to be out there all week and physically, um, rise to the challenge that it presents. Right. So being so close to it as your sister was dealing with it and uh, your friend, as you mentioned, what, what, what's your advice? What, what do women have to do to, to try to, you know, prevent or, you know, early detection, that kind of thing? Well, I, I definitely am becoming more and more a believer in the genetic testing and knowing what your makeup is. Some people, some people don't want to know <laughs> because who wants to know if they have a cancer gene? I don't think anybody wants to know that. However, if you do know that, you certainly can actively seek help. And there's so many resources in terms of 
what you can do to prevent it. And, uh, and you, you know, you know, women's health a lot of times, and this is not a woe is me. I feel like it kind of gets put on the back burner, especially as we, as we, uh, mature and progress in life. Um, when you start going through peri and perimenopause and menopause, because there's so many overlapping symptoms. So I would say my advice would be go to your doctor. If the doctor is not willing to be patient and answer questions for you, change your doctor and definitely find somebody who is an advocate and who is very well-versed in women's health and is passionate about the station of life that you're in for your health. Great advice, Jill. Really, really great advice. All right, let's uh, switch over to some of these uh, championships going on right now. There's so much happening uh, at this, you know, always in golf. And the U.S. Women's right. Amateur is down to the finals, and it has come yes. down to Latana Stone of LSU against Megan Schofield, uh, Austin Univer- Auburn University graduate student. And is this? I, I don't think there's any championship more grueling than these amateur championships, right? It, just to get to the finals, you have to win five different matches. And I know you won the U.S. Women's Am in 93. So what, what are your thoughts about these grueling events? <laughs> you know, I think when you're in the midst of playing it, you don't really give it very much thought. You just, you, you, you turn the power on and you go, go, go. And it's one of those things where after the event is finished, you look back and you recognize, whoa, that was a tough week. I played two qualifying rounds, 36 holes, and uh, I think it's two of the rounds. I, I, I have to go back and look for sure. But it is a lot of golf over the course of um, seven days. Now, you know, I can only say for myself, and I apologize to uh, my opponents that may, may be on the brunt of this, but, you know, luckily I had, you know, one or two matches that didn't go the full 18 holes. Right. So when that happens, you get a little bit of a reprieve, which is nice. But um, it is grueling. It's very physically and mentally taxing. And they have to play 36 holes today <laughs> in the final right. round. Right. I mean, it's not just, That's okay, it. we got this far. Now we can just play 18. They play 36, <laughs> so it doesn't stop. Uh, well, are you amazed at how far, you know, the, the talent has come since your amateur playing days? I mean, the depth of talent now in the women's game, to me, is so impressive. Oh, my goodness. It is It is amazing. I mean, the, I, I, I give this analogy. I went back to finish my degree, and um, the first night of class, I'm sitting in the front row, and I have my notebook and my pen, and I look around, and everybody has their laptops out, and I went, oh, that, so this is how it is today. And it was the same thing when I went uh, to play the Open at, at Pebble Beach this, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm on the driving range and I look down and everybody has their foresight and their track man technology and I'm throwing wind up like, oh, I think it's going to be about four or five miles an hour. So the ability that they have to really, really hone in on exactly what they're doing with their golf games and then being on the course, I was always considered one of the longer players and, you know, on, on tour now, and now granted I'm 51, I would be average off of the tee. I mean, the strength and the ability is really phenomenal and it's quite impressive to uh, watch in person. Do you uh, credit that to the equipment and technology or their their training or maybe a little bit of both? I think it's all of the above. I mean, I I think you can take technology, like I had mentioned, Foresight and TrackMan, 
And to be able to go onto a driving range and to be able to really, you know, zone in on hitting 30 wedges and having 25 of the 30 hit within 5 or 10 feet, that, get, that gives you really good indication of what you want to do on the golf course. The technology is, is definitely helping with the distance and the consistency. And then really, you know, the event of video that you can have on your iPhone now the super slow motion frame by frame so you can go back and look, oh, the, you know, the face was a little open or I was doing this with my hips or my shoulders, whatever each player is working on is such uh, a valuable tool. I mean, not only in golf, just in sports in general. So all three of those factors really, um, if implemented, and the, the sky's the limit for the talent of the women's golf. Absolutely. And they're starting younger and uh, focusing in on golf uh, at an earlier age, I, I feel. But uh, all right, quickly, the Women's Open going on right now. Charlie Hall of England, Lilia Vu of the United States, they share the lead at nine under. They're one, they have a one-shot lead. Allie Ewing, she held the lead after uh, 18 and 36 holes, but she shot a plus three yesterday. But she's only two shots back, so anything can happen. Have you been watching the women at the Open? You know, I wish I could say that I have been watching the women at the Open, but um, I was on pickup camp duty for my own kids. <laughs> so, so, you know, we were playing karaoke in the car for 15 hours there and back. Um, and I have not, I, I just don't get the opportunity to watch as much as I would like. Um, but man, the U.S., the, excuse me, the British Open is such a fun event to play. You go over there, it's just a different atmosphere with the galleries. And the, 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 the gallery's approach to watching golf, it really is night and day to playing in the U.S. Open and the British Open. Um, but, you know, with that close to the field, anything can happen, particularly if any weather pops up. I imagine uh, Charlie's feeling pretty good being on home soil and is getting a lot of support. So that would be really fun for her. Absolutely. And Nellie Corda is teeing off uh, any minute now, and she will start this final round at four under, tied for ninth place. Well, I know you uh, are the defending champion of the U.S. Senior Women's Open, and that's coming up in Portland August 24th to 27th. So how's your game? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm going to be playing a little bit more uh, this week. I have been playing more this summer just with the opportunities that came with winning the Senior U.S. Open last summer. I feel good about my game, you know. Now, if I can get in the right headspace to be there and have all the pieces, you know, fall into place, I think I have a pretty good chance of having a really good finish again this year. The course that we're playing is Waverly. It is a very old-style country club. When I went there for media day, I learned a lot about the history. Uh, thank you to David Jacobson, Peter Jacobson's brother. He is quite the historian. Um, and, you know, just side note for those, uh, golf geeks out there, Waverly is the official first sight of the green jacket, and Augusta implemented it. Wow. I yeah, did not know little, that. Tidbit, little tidbit of trivia for you there, Anne. So, and covering you know, 25 good... Masters. I should know that. <laughs> wow. Next Jill all, McGill. I mean... Great talking with you. Good luck in the uh, to defend your title and, you know, continued success and, uh, you're doing great work educating people about ovarian cancer. So important. Uh, I wish we could go on and on, but we're uh, up against a break here, Jill McGill. Thank you so much and look forward to uh, following your career as, as you continue here.
And thank you very much. Have a fabulous Sunday. You take care. All right. Coming up, New York Post sports columnist Mark Canizero. He caught up with Phil Mickelson this past week. And, you know, Phil really hasn't talked to anybody outside of press conferences. And um, obviously, he's been a key figure in this whole live golf scenario. And uh, we'll get Mark's take on uh, Phil and all the controversy surrounding the Ryder Cup betting allegations in Billy Walter's upcoming book. So all that coming up. But first, let me tell you that as the brand ambassador for Ivy Cole, I can attest to the high-quality, performance-driven leisure apparel line that is perfect to wear on and off the course. Not only does the moisture sensor fabric keep me cool on the links, Ivy Cole garments also feature UPF 50-plus sun protection. All this plus a wide variety of colorful and stylish silhouettes in tops, shorts, pants, skorts, and dresses. And men can choose from any styles as well. Look your best. Protect your skin. IBKUL.com. It's Talking Golf with Ann Liguori on The Fan. Welcome back to Talking Golf. Mark Canizero of the New York Post and fellow member of the Met Golf Writers Association board joins us now. Mark, welcome to Talking Golf. Good morning, Ann. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. And I know you've been at Trump National this week for Live Golf and spoke to Phil Mickelson, and he's in the middle of yet another firestorm with these uh, Ryder Cup betting allegations. What do you make of all of it? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, a few things to unpack there. And, I mean, obviously, as we all know, Phil's had, you know, uh, by his own admission, uh, you know, a lot of gambling issues in, in his in his life and, and uh um, the guy that made the allegations, obviously, is Billy Walters, is a you know notorious lifelong gambler. Also, was convicted for insider trading, um, and uh, in, a, in a case that uh, uh, somewhat involved Phil, because Phil had bought some of the stock uh, that, that Walters was accused uh, of the insider trading with, and. Uh, um, Walters wanted Phil to testify on his behalf, and uh, Phil was the on the on the advice of his uh, his his legal counsel did not, and and Walters now you know has blamed Phil for having him you know been sent away for five years to jail, and so now he writes this book, which everybody has known for for quite a while is is, is about to come out, and. Uh, um, it's pretty clear that he has an axe to grind with Phil, of course. And even even in the excerpt that came out in the Fire Pit Collective uh, website uh, this past week, which is what kind of precipitated, um, you know, Phil's reaction. It, you know, this guy made it clear that he blames Phil for his downfall and and, and his going to jail and whatnot. So, um, yeah, so you have to kind of you know you have to take that with a grain of salt and consider the source situation here. And obviously, as I mentioned before, you know, Phil's been pretty transparent in the in the last year or two about his gambling issues and how he's gone and gotten help. So uh, Phil has been on record in the past with my colleague Bob Harrig, who I know you've had on the show here sure. uh, from Sports Illustrated, um, as saying he's never bet on golf in terms of competition, like tournament golf. Obviously, he's well-known for you know gambling in his practice rounds and whatnot, which has been kind of a fun thing over the years. But um, So he reiterated... Phil did this week, uh, stating that he never bet on the Ryder Cup, uh, never you know never uh, went that route, and didn't would never discredit the sport uh, that way. So, you know, you have to take everybody for their word uh, and decide you know on your own who you're believing. You know, and and uh, um, 
So that's kind of where it stands, sure. you know, essentially. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's a, you know, serious... listen, it, the, the bottom line, and I, and I wrote a column about this the other day, you know, in, in a, lot, a lot of ways, I mean, Phil's always been an adventure seeker, both on and off the golf course, as you know. So, and sometimes it's to his detriment and, and gets himself into trouble. And obviously, in retrospect, he should have never have associated with a guy like this guy, Billy Walters. And, you know, it's, it's now kind of coming back and burning him a bit. I would think. I mean, you know, these are serious allegations. So do you think it's something that the golf powers have to look into? I mean, they can't have players betting on themselves or fans or anyone even thinking that this is happening. I don't think that that, you know, I mean, A, it's impossible to prove because I mean, here's the funny thing. Even Billy Walters in his book says he... His allegation was that Phil came to him and and wanted to place bets on the Ryder or better on the Ryder Cup because these two guys were in in kind of a an informal uh, partnership in, sure. in gambling according according to Walters and uh, Walters claims in the book that he talked Phil out of it and he so he, he said I don't know in, in basically I'm paraphrasing he said I don't know if Phil ended up betting on the Ryder Cup or not at this point but I I did not do it with him and we did not place a bet together. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a lot of hearsay, you know, it's kind of, yeah. you know, so yeah, but listen, he did the, have the, exact numbers on all these other bets. I mean, I don't know how he got that research, but you know, saying that he's, well, I, I'm assuming my, my, dollars and, yeah, my assumption is in terms of some of the, the exact numbers he had were that were the bets that they made together, uh, as they were, right. you know, partnering with, you know, partnering up, you know, with, with, and, and those are things that Phil has not, you know, I mean, specifically, you know, those are things that he hasn't denied because obviously he, you know, that was all in in the wheelhouse of his heavy gambling period of time in his life. And uh, so, yeah, it's just it's so. Getting back to your original question, I mean, there's no way to prove it. A and and B, you know, I, I don't, you know, the tour and 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 the, and the powers that be in golf obviously, you know, don't permit you know their own players betting on on the you know on on their tournaments. You know, much like, you know, baseball and football and everybody else. I mean, right now, we're also spinning into a very slippery slope in, in our entire sports society, aren't we? With, I mean, the NFL is in bed with all the, all the sports are in bed with these betting companies. And, uh, you know, you know, the NFL suspending guys for a year or half a year if they're found gambling. Uh, you know, so, I, you know, it's just, it's a very, we're, it's a, we're in a very, very, gray area, almost hypocritical period in in the entire... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Phil had, you know, said that he's taken full responsibility, he's gotten help, he's been fully committed to therapy that has positively impacted him and he feels good about where he is now. So, you know, he's always in... The, these in these controversial situations, and of course now at this live event in New Jersey, he's he's tied for second. Anytime it seems that you know things are happening around him that are so negative, he you know he focuses on his game, and this is the first time he's going to be in the final pairing, and you know, and what since he's joined Live, so um, he knows that this you know if he starts to win again. Uh, maybe people are going to just start talking about his game, which has not been the case for what two years now. So no, it, yeah, it's fascinating that he's in the mix, isn't it? I mean, this week uh, at, at a at a very very difficult golf course, um, and uh, which is playing long, you know, uh, obviously with the, with the, as wet as it's been in the area here this week. And uh, you're right, his results at Live have been you know have been nothing to you know to speak of at all. 
uh, you know, obviously he's had a couple little flashes in the last year in change, and so obviously you know finishing the runner-up at, at, at Augusta and whatnot. But but for the most part, his his form has not been that great. I mean, I, I was actually talking to Patrick Reed the other day about Phil for a, a, a second piece that I did about Phil, just kind of about the player and fan reaction and what their what their view of him is. And even Patrick said, you know, I know his results, you know, his results has not been you know what he's what he'd like, you know, but. Uh, here we are, you know, he's just a, a few shots off the lead going to today's final round. And uh, if he were to win this tournament, it would be quite some kind of story. It really would. And, and, Unbelievable. Uh, I yeah. mean, he's just a fascinating character. And, you know, the only time he has really spoken to the media in the last, what, two seasons is really during press conferences. I remember, you know, he was not happy with me last year at the U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline because he had been gone for a number of months following all the controversy, you know, of his words to author um, Alan Shipnuck, which led to Alan's, you know, book, basically, uh, biography. But uh, I had asked Phil at that press conference, what does legacy mean to you in light of all this live golf controversy? And, uh, you know, he was not happy with my question, and, and Netflix picked it up, uh, my question in episode five. And although they edited his answer, I actually thought his answer was, was pretty decent. But, you know, for film, they just showed him looking at me like he was ready to kill me. <laughs> yeah, that, but, that was also, that was in the belly of the beast in terms of the whole Liv controversy and him being, you know, certainly the the face of Liv and, and right. taking most of the bullets. Yeah, that was, that, that might have been the most uh, uncomfortable press conference I think I've ever attended. <laughs> it's, it's, I know, it's, I know. It's, it's, it was uh, crazy. I would put that one up there probably with the Bill Belichick uh, uh, stepping down from the Jets press conference right. a bunch of years ago. I mean, it was it was a cringeworthy press conference that it day. Was cr- you're absolutely right. And so what did he have to tell, what did he have to say to you? Because he hasn't really spoken to anybody um, outside of these kind of group press conferences. You know, and basically, I mean, I, I had spoken to Phil a lot prior and, and leading into uh, Live and whatnot, and he he knew that this was going to be, uh, you know, there was going to be some some rough seas, so to speak, ahead. Uh, he knew there was going to be a lot of criticism. Um, you know, again, I don't want to take. I mean, we only have a, a, a segment here, but I mean, you know, Phil Phil went to Jay Monahan as a story I wrote in February of 2021, I believe it was. Uh, I had spoken to him. He had, this is before Liv even, even anybody even knew what Liv was. It was still in the embryonic stage, and uh, uh, he had gone to Jay Monahan, the PJ Tour uh, um, a commissioner, with a proposal and a and a and an investor who was ready to put a billion dollars up, five hundred million to start, another five hundred million after that, uh, where they were going to they were going to take about six or so, six or eight of the PGA Tour tournament weeks where, you know, just the, the, the fields are traditionally weak, and they were going to buy out those, those, those weeks, and they were going to turn those into team events with, with, with all the top players going against each other, which is kind of what, what this whole golf world has been trying to, uh, you know, f- find or accomplish or get that sweet spot for years. And uh, Monaghan and the PGA Tour uh, uh, officials uh, on the, the PGA, uh, their board, uh, roundly uh, just rejected it because the the catch was it was going to be player and investor owned those handful of events not PGA Tour owned and the PGA Tour in my opinion arrogantly said you know what and in fact Ed Hurley he who's the you know the the, the top gun at the uh, at, on the on the PGA Tour board his quote to the investor was 
anything that is not PGA Tour owned or operated is considered hostile. Hmm. And that quote, in my opinion, set Phil off uh, and, 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 and got, made him a little bit reckless because it angered him so much. Because the PGA Tour, as you know, is a non, not-for-profit organization. Right. And that kind of comment certainly belies any, any not-for-profit. So uh, my point is, if, if the PGA Tour had taken that, gone that route, they could have cut the entire Saudi and live concept off at the knees right there, and we wouldn't even be talking about this. Uh, but the tour, you know, let's be honest, has monopolized the sport and wanted to continue to do so. And, you know, that the live money has now, as we've seen, um, prevented it from doing so because it's, you know, it's obviously the bottomless pit of Saudi money. And that's now forced the PGA Tour into this, you know, this, this quote-unquote uh, agreement, uh, this, uh, this framework agreement, and w- which we don't know where it's going to go. So, do you think Phil, it's going to happen? Uh, my point is, quick, quickly, Phil, Phil yeah. kind of, this, he, was, he was prophetic about this kind of stuff. Yes, he was. So, you know, and, and so that's kind of where we're at right now. And, and, and all these things that he proposed are now coming to fruition, but they're coming to fruition because yeah. of live. And do you think this proposed partnership, you know, between the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and the Saudi PIF, Public Investment Fund, do you think it's actually going to happen? I think something will happen. I do. I, the way I see it, you know, in, in the simplest terms coming out is we'll see a PGA Tour at some point where there will be a handful, six or so, whatever, I'm throw, throwing a number out, of, of team events with those top players. So you still have a team element going in the sport. And lives, you know, still has obviously a seat at the table. Um, but, yeah, I do see that. I, I don't see how Live can sustain on its own the way it's going right now because it's just not it, – it, the, the product is just not possible to be a moneymaker. And my biggest problem with the Live concept – I have no problem with Live, but I have the biggest pro- problem to me as a sports fan is there's no consequence to the result, you know, other than another $4 million in a guy's bank account. And we're all – and on, you know, we're all numb to the money, aren't we now? Mm. Yeah, the money's crazy. But if an investor comes in with upwards of $1 billion, which was revealed during the Senate hearing, I find it really difficult to believe, Mark, that what will be a, quote, minority investor, as the PJ Tour commissioner has stated again and again, I, I, it would, it's hard to believe that the PJ Tour would, would be in control, which they continue to re- reiterate, if, you know, the Saudis come in with that much money. That's a fair point, but uh, you know the PGA Tour still is this is strong, and it still is the PGA Tour, and the Saudis just wanted a seat at the table. So I think that there's you know I don't think this I, this is just me talking. I don't know you know this is not coming from sources you know from the from the live in, but I don't view this as something where the Saudis want to take over the PGA Tour and take over golf. I think they just want a piece of the action. You know they want a piece of the action, not just financially, but Kind of, you know, in the in, in kind of to the sports washing element of it, you know. I mean, they have a piece of the action in Formula One, and they have a lot of piece of the action in 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 in, uh, in European soccer and the English Premier League. They don't own it and t- haven't taken the whole thing over. Right, I think right. they just want a piece, you know, at the table and all that kind of thing. So that's and where a membership. I see this. At exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That might be the hardest thing for them to get of all, right? You know. Anyway, well, listen, we're out of time, but it's always great to connect with you. Great seeing you in Ireland as well, and uh, I really appreciate your insight on this. We'll do it again, hopefully, in the future. Anytime, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. My thanks to Mark Canazero, to Jill McGill, to Ed Arzuman in the studio. Talking Golf with Anne Ligoria is brought to you by IB Cool Luxury Athleisure Apparel for Men and Women. 
Featuring the exclusive Iceville cooling technology along with UPF 50 plus sun protection. Visit IBKOL.com to learn more. Hey, Mark Malusis is up next, so stay tuned. And uh, I look forward to visiting with you again next Sunday morning right here on Talking Golf with Ann Lagore. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.